Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another episode of Lack of Focus. I am your host for this show, Ed, and tonight I'm going to be introducing my co-host, one, Mr. Sean Dorsey. Sean, how's it going, my friend? Good, Ed. How are you doing? Outstanding. And, of course, our producer extraordinaire, one, Mr. Chris Sheriff. Chris, how are you doing, my friend? Good, thanks, Ed. On this episode, I get to sing just a little, just a little, and it's going to be the topic for tonight. The main topic tonight is <clears throat> lore. Good God, y'all. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Sing it again. I was practicing that in the shower and everything. That's right. We're going to be talking about the lore of the mini war games that you play. How important you didn't sing it again. I didn't sing it again. You're right. I felt like I was torturing the listening audience enough to not do that again. I don't know how close we are to the algorithm saying that we're stealing music, so it's probably fine. It's probably, probably, I hope so. But point being, the main topic, of course, is going to be is lore and how important is it for your mini games that it has good lore. Were you attracted to a game because of the lore? Did you find a game that you really, really liked and then turned out you like the lore, hate the lore? Does it even matter to you if the lore is good for a game as long as the game is good? We'll get into those conversations tonight. But we're going to start off, of course, as we often do in our What Have We Been Doing Lately in Gaming. Sean, I'm going to start with you, my friend. What have you been up to? This. <laughs> I was just gonna, so unfortunately the listening we're not doing a video on this one on YouTube but they don't get to see the cool background that you have you have all of your arcade machines set up in the oh, background which is badass so so, so I'll, I'll just premise this right now okay so the one behind me and I know this is horrible for fans listening uh, one behind me is an at games legends ultimate machine that I have many many thousands of arcade games available to me Next to me here is Tron. Love that game. That has Tron and Discs of Tron. This is a Midway cabinet, that the one that you can barely see in picture. Star Wars. Love it. Dragon's Lair is next yeah. to that. Then off screen, you have Frogger, which has my Time Pilot, Tempest, Miss Pac-Man, um, an iArcade version of Dragon's Lair. And then I have on the row, there's another row that'll be next to me here. So I'm actually touching the cabinet. This cabinet's T2 shooter game. Next to it on the other side is the Pac-Man cab that has Dig Dug and a bunch of other stuff on it. Behind that cabinet, I have another similar machine to this one here. It's a smaller version of it. So that's there. Then over here to my right is my Defender Party Cade, which is hanging on the wall. Um, and then right now on shelves, I have three cabinets I still need to build. With. Oh, Jesus. So there's three more there to build. And then I have a Star Wars pinball machine. And then a, the same company as this, it's the Legends Ultimate Pinball or Legends Pinball, which I can also play arcade games on along with hundreds and hundreds of pinball machines that I have. So that's the arcade as it stands now. Um, that's what it looks like you're sitting in, I can assure you. Yeah, it's literally, it's eight by 16. So it's a very small arcade, but my son came up with a great idea. I built a deck. So the floor is raised uh, a two by four width, not width, um, length, height. not length, height. There you go. The, the fat height of a two by four up off the ground. So this is on a wood platform. And so everything's also edged in so i kind of do lose a little bit of space because i want nothing touching walls you know everything that's on this front which when i'm done with it i'll give everybody a good camera tour of it but uh 
Yeah, so when I'm done right now, so I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, fourteen. I got one more coming in the mail, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen total playable units down here in this tiny ass space. So good lord. Yep. It's gonna be fun though. You have your own arcade at home. That's pretty badass. Well, the cool thing is is that if I decide to do a podcast, I have a great background for it. Once oh, I get absolutely. a better camera and Chris teaches me how to do all this stuff because a little bit of front lighting, that'll be fine. Yeah, a little front light. Right now I have the I've other half back, of I've got your back, Sean. I've posted the screenshot in uh in Discord. <laughs> nice, nice. Um on the other side of this basement. And this section of my basement is a workshop. So there's all kinds of tools. There's a miter, a compound miter, table saw, dust collection system, all kinds of crap over there. So that side right now won't get encroached by the arcade until I hit the point when I have to figure that out. And um, but yeah, I have I have pretty much my dream right now working in my basement. My 32-inch monitor that was formerly in my office came down here, but it's broken. It broke somewhere in the in the transfer, so it's just a big cracked Aww. screen. So I got to move my TV that right now is in the bedroom my son's in. Move that TV down here. It's the same size, the 32-inch TV that I'll plug in as a monitor. That's why I'm looking down at you guys right now, unfortunately, because. My sight line would be up here otherwise. So, oh come on, you are an arcade god. You're looking down on all of us at this point, Sean. <laughs> so the other thing I have, I bought a, it's a tabletop pinball machine. So it's like a micro pinball, but it's not micro. It's like 15 inches long or something like that that sits on a tabletop. And then I bought what's called a countercade, which I'm going to make it turn that into a traveling arcade machine. So what, like a suitcase kind of thing? Uh no, it'll be a little bit too big for that. But if I drive anywhere and I'm staying overnight, you know, it's it's an eight inch monitor screen on it and you know it's probably Oh, I think I've seen those. Yeah, it's I'm not sure how big it is yet. Um but I'm going to download arcade games onto it too. And it's it's from the same company that makes like the Tron and Star yeah. Wars and those. But you can hack it so that you can put the the front end on it, and then you just kind of like you do with anything else a a pie upload all the just, ROMs and you have everything. Yeah, on. you would just have a ROMs on a stick and be able to do it. So that's kind of the the that's my travel package is I could bring a pinball machine and then a <laughs> which is awesome because the pinball that is machine awesome. Is, I'm, I'm I'm laughing with with glee. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing because like I can imagine. So the Legends pinball right now that you can't see has it's a 1080p screen and all the games on that I'll be able to play on the micro pinball machine. So how big everything is the micro pinball. You've kind of got my interest peaked on that. I'm not 100% sure on how big the screen is. It's big, you know, for it's 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 at least like 15 inches a 15 inch screen. Oh, I believe. Wow. And then, you know, it has the controls so like laptop else. size basically. Yeah, kind of. You know, yeah. I mean, if you had a little bit bigger screen laptop, yeah. Yeah, going a little but bit it also, But it also has a back glass, too. So the back, there's a back glass on it that's similar to the one that's on my Legends pinball machine. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah. And 
as far as game playing goes, I've actually played a few games. I played uh, Burger Time a bunch on the IRK. That's my newest one that came in as the IRK machine. That one's a kick-ass machine. Well built. Um, it's kind of like an indie developer machine. Oh. So they put out games roughly every Friday or every other Friday, brand new games. And then it's you purchase those. So it's a you're purchasing the indie games onto that machine. And then you play arcade right. games on it. Now, now again, now you have my interest. Break. So they, are they done in like the same era of like the early to mid '80s arcade style kind of stuff? Some of them are. Some of them are more consolely newer type stuff. Okay. So so it all depends on like they had like uh, um, the big reason why I bought this is because the joys they use better joysticks than all the other ones. So if you're playing precision games, one of my favorite games is Burger Time. And if you play it on a sloppy joystick, it sucks. It's like playing Pac-Man on a really loose joystick yeah. and you can't yeah. hit the turns. So these have really tight joysticks. And so, you know, this is perfect for me. And um, it has Double Dragon on it, which is one of my friend's favorite games. And the arcade Dragon version, like where Double Dragon yep. actually originated from before Nintendo. Correct. Not yep. Double Dragon 2. It has Double Dragon 2 also and 3. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll let you off then. Yeah, so it has it has all three. You can buy them, um, but it came with double. You got eleven games free on it and stuff. And Dragon's Lair. So now I have two different versions of Dragon's Lair, which is actually interesting. Because I was say, are you a big fan? I mean, it's a cool game. I'm not gonna well, lie. It's not that I bought the cabinet for Dragon's Lair. I just bought the Dragon's Lair cab. Right. And it's it's one of the free games on it. But what's interesting between the two cabs, so. The at games cab that you can Ed, you can see in the picture, or not at games, the uh, arcade one up one that you can see, actually has a little bit different presentation aspect ratio. Oh. So this is a wider screen one than the other one on the i arcade cab. So those aspect ratios had to get you every time. Every they time. Do. Every, every time. time. But really, I didn't buy the the i arcade. That was just the skin of it. And yeah. You got okay. I understand. Dragon's Lair for free. You could get you could have gotten dead cell skin, a double dragon skin, but you would have had to apply it yourself due to licensing for the manufacturer. Oh, they couldn't put the stickers on themselves. They had to be done by the person, and then they had a Space Invaders cab. Which, when I looked at all four cabs, it was really between Space Invaders and Dragon's Lair. And at the time when I pre-ordered that, I hadn't even thought of purchasing the At Games yeah, version. And then on an impulse, I bought that one because it actually has the very similar score screen to the original arcade game. So yeah. the analog numbers, which hard to see right now, but the analog numbers above it are from the original, like from the original version of the arcade. Of course, these are emulated. They're not the original ROMs or anything. Yeah, you're like not playing that, it on the Laserdisc. No, and in fact, I don't think there's. I think there's like ten active Dragon's Lair laser disc machines in the world right now. Hence the reason why, as we talked about in your podcast, why I'm a huge fan of game preservation. Like at the, at some point in time, those ten are going to go to nine, eight until yep. there aren't any that are right. functional. And the only way to ever play that game in its as it was intended is through machines like this. Right. I mean, and we've evolved technology-wise. Like, you don't need well, a laserdisc to hold the game anymore. You can do it on our exactly. SD card. Yeah, and you know, I mean, when you look at it, a game way back when was gigantic for the hardware, but today it's, you know, it it's not even a megabyte. 
in a mm. lot of those games. They're well, the and you keep in mind, are... like, like those ROM cartridges that used to fit in those machines were like freaking well, okay. gigantic. I had to turn my cassette over for some of my games, okay? <laughs> I needed both sides of the cassette to, to yep. load in on my Spectrum. I remember yep. games that used to have both sides of the floppy. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Or you had like six floppies. Or you had slicks floppies to do it. Yep. My original install for X-Wing versus TIE Fighter came on five or six floppies. Yeah, the five and my, a quarters. My, yeah, my MS-DOS version of that game. Ooh, those, were oh, the yeah. day, those were the days. Windows 95. So Ooh, the cool thing, so the cool thing about the one behind me, so this this is the um, at games legends ultimate. So it's a 23 inch screen. This is closer to the size of a real arcade machine. It's still a little bit smaller than a standard arcade. Yeah. But what's awesome about this is they allow they allowed a co- well not a company, it's just people who made a thing called CoinOps X, and then you could download it came with it on this. And then you download builds, Ooh. and those builds are what comes with all the games and stuff. So, you know, when you talk about game preservations and things like that, you know, a machine like this is important because it allows you to play all of those. Where with the, you know, with all the other machines I have, you can hack them. You know, mm-hmm. they either have micro SD, you know, because they're PCBs, so it's basically yep. similar to a Raspberry Pi, and you can hack them and do all that. But I'd rather have those games be those games and have a big machine that allows me to do all of this to do it, you know, and that's... I am envious of the fact that you have the space to be able to do it. Like, I the, I think I've mentioned this multiple times in previous iterations of all the shows that we have done. One of my fondest memories as a kid growing up is my grandfather owned a Pac-Man machine. Good, standard, old-fashioned, original Pac-Man. And it was on his enclosed back porch, and I spent hours, hours and hours and hours as a kid sitting on a stool playing that game and i would nope. love to have one in this room just sitting in a corner just so i can do it again but of course if it were i would do it i would do it like me that it would play oh by the way every arcade game from the 80s can be played on it it would still yeah. look like a pac-man machine and that'd be the game i'd want to play but if i ever wanted to play anything else it would be there too right and and you know that's the thing about today is technology is so far farther advanced to the point where you know you can just if you want to, you can just emulate everything, mm-hmm. but it's not as fun. Like I bought a, P, a, a PS2 um, from a company called DK Oldies. Yeah, I don't know I know if you've ever heard of them. Okay. I, I have bought games from them. Yeah, so they had exactly what I wanted. I wanted one game, so I ended up buying the system. Instead of finding the emulator in the ROM, I just decided, screw it. I'll support a company that's doing good things. Spent the money, got a PS2 original controller. Of course, they're all cleaned and refurbished, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I bought the NCA Baseball 07 or MVP Baseball 07, which is the only thing I really want to play on it. Really? But my favorite system was the PS2. You know, it was like the first. So, so my first console was a PS1. Now, modern console. Uh, right. I had Ataris and, you know, other stuff. But the modern console, I had a PS1, then we traded it for the PS2. As did I. Because the PS2 could play PS1 games, so why wouldn't you? So why wouldn't you? And so got the PS2, and I really got it for the NCAA football, because I do like sports games. Yeah, Um, I went through a gigantic sports game phase myself, too. Yeah, it's kind of the only thing I've ever played on consoles 
the modern consoles or the sports games. I'm not like big into for me all was, the shooters and all of that. I'd rather do that on an arcade machine. I, I had three genres in that particular stage of my life. It was horror games, so like the Resident Evil or your Silent Hills kind of games. Yep. Uh, sports games or any game that had the Williams Final Fantasy in it. Gotcha. Starting with Final Fantasy VII, working all the way through. The only one I didn't get into was the online one that was on PS because I didn't have the the modem at the time for the PS2. That was the only yeah. one I never got into. Oh, that uh, started with an O, didn't Optima? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. It was like Final Fantasy twelve or thirteen. One of the ones that was on the PS2 was the online only version, and you had. And that. I remember it being like twice as much. Like a game at those days was like forty dollars, and this was an eighty dollars one because it came with a hard drive and the modem all in one. And I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. That's too expensive. Right. Nope. Under yeah, totally understandable with that. Well, th see, that's why Sean, I've got my my beautiful backwards compatible undercover so that it stays dust and free clean. That's my backwards compatible PS3 right there that does all of that, and I have my PS1 into games still there, so I can so, play anyone I want. So, so what's interesting is that there's a the NCA Football 14. There's a whole community around that game because that was the last one produced. Last and one then, produced, also the most expensive. It was uh, released on the PS3 and the Xbox 360. Right. And I actually have a copy of it on PS3, but I found out to play the, the ultimate, whatever they've done to create this whole new thing, I have to have something added to the PS3. Yeah. So in order to be able to play that, you actually have to hack your PS3. You have to yeah. put on custom firmware for it so that it'll play the hacked ROMs. And there's and... a card that they have to put on it too. No, 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 no. My like, understanding is it is. Like... All software-based. Because I, my, so we're going to get into my PS3 collection. This is my backwards compatible that I'm trying to keep in pristine condition. I also have one upstairs that I have hacked. Um, that's got a one terabyte hard drive on it. I have the latest NCAA 14 on it. You can just literally download it from the website and put it on. Um, there's no physical hardware change. Everything on there is software emulation. Okay. So it depends on the model of PS3 that you have as to which two of the, the, the two custom firmwares that you have to go through. Gotcha. Um, older versions ha are preferred because the custom firmware that they have to be able to emulate all that stuff um, is basically the same thing that Sony did. When Sony, so my particular model of the PS backwards PS3 compatible, there were two that were released. The first one was an actual hardware-based emulation, which literally had a PS2 as a chip on the motherboard of the PS3. So they could play PS1, PS2, and PS3 hardware-based. Mm. The one that I have is the E model, which is, it was all software-based. So Sony literally mm. wrote software to emulate the PS2 to be played on the PS3. Gotcha. All the hacks ever did was they just pulled that software and put it onto custom firmware. So now every PS3 under a certain model number can do it. Hmm. Okay. We'll and then Sony figured that, that out. And then they started releasing PS3s. Like the PS3, like the super slim, the one that's got like the, it looks like the barbecue grill that's got like the slide top. It can't do it. And then models. Move, well, your PSP can do it, can't it? Or No, my, in, I have a PS3, but I play PS2 games on it. It's slim. Oh, well, you hacked yours because you put hand on it, right? Oh, yeah. I'll have to double check then. I'm yeah, sure you'll have had to this conversation you, before. Yeah, you'll have to double check because, like, natively they do not play. They, it, every PS3 will natively play a PS1 game. It's the PS3. Oh, maybe. I've definitely played a bunch of PS1 games on it. I think yeah, PS... every PS3 natively can play PS1 games. It's the PS2 that was the one that was a little bit of a challenge. So in the I'll first, have to try one, the um, is it Sons of Liberty is the only PS2 game I own. 
try it. Because if it does play uh, it, then you probably have a hacked version. You, you've probably hacked the software at some point. Oh, I, I bought it new when I moved to Canada with um, just 514, the, the Eve online um, tied in shoot, first person shooter. Mm. So when I moved to Canada, I was playing a lot of Eve online. And this game, you could, you know, um, I don't know what we call it, a capsule. You capture other people in Eve and these drop troops. You could like you could fly in and destroy her in Eve and do bombardments on the planets that were being mm. fought over and ground mm. troops. So the two games real time tied into each other. Oh, that's badass! Yeah, so I uh, you could ha- literally be playing a first person shooter on your PlayStation, phone your friend to jump in his destroyer to come and do some bombardments for you. <laughs> that's badass. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Sorry, we devolved a little into into PS3 gaming because that. Like, long story short, anything yeah. else you want to cover? Nope, that's it. Everything, all flat surfaces in my house are covered with crap right now, and yeah, we have, I know the feeling. We have we have no room anywhere until it's kind of like a step by step process, you know, to get him moved in and stuff stored and stuff. So yep. So there won't be any miniature game, tabletop gaming played for a little bit, but. My God, I am going to be playing arcades till the cows come home. So, as well it should be. Yep. Exactly. Chris, you've been playing some games and stuff. I know some of this stuff already. What have Dude, you I'm, been doing? I'm excited for Chris's 40k corner. I am. Segment. I 100 percent am. <laughs> uh, yeah, I played my first game of Warhammer 40,000 ninth edition. I want to say. Edition. Ninth edition. Yeah, just coming at the tail end. It's in time for me to get pissed off with all my. My efforts wasted when they changed to a new edition. Ah, you'll be fine. Um, I don't think there's yeah. gonna, I don't think they're going to change that much when they go to tenth next year. But that's still quote unquote in the rumor phase. Yeah, but obviously I've been talking about doing Warcry recently, where I was doing some Nurgle demons, and I had the army anyway, and I've been trying to mo- motivate myself to get the basing finished on everything. Uh, so I, we had plans to start doing a uh, a Path to Glory campaign in the store which is the Age of Sigma version. And then I was like, well, if I'm doing that, I might as well do 40k as well, because the Demon Codex came out last week. So I went to the store with my army, just thro- literally thrown in the lid of um, the Warcry <laughs> box. It was just all thrown in the lid. Every model I owned that was based and decent enough to play with just got thrown in that box. Um, I went and bought the Codex and then started trying to make a list to play um, a Crusade game with. Turns out Harder than needed, it looks, isn't it? Uh, I needed 14 models. It was fine. Yeah, uh, well, your, uh, a vast, so, majority, <laughs> a vast majority army was taken up by one model. Yeah, I mean, I I built my Great Unclean one from like midnight on the Wednesday until 2am, like just building the model. Then I started painting it on the Thursday, did some more painting on the Friday. I was like, I'll be damned if I'm going to spend all of this time from like after midnight when everyone else is asleep. It was me, my only hobby time at the minute um, with doing all of that. So, yeah. Do you, um, you can cut this part out if you like, but do you want to explain why you have very little hobby I, time I, I was, on I was just I was just thinking about the fact that I opened with Chris's 40k corner not um the joys of having a second child you know Yay! congratulations yeah 
No, thanks, man. Um, yeah, I'm not going to edit that. I, I'm just going to be a terrible person. It's fine. <laughs> well, um, that's why I was like, all right, he led with that. So like, okay, so I'm going to step back and like, well, he mentioned he doesn't have any time. Does he want to explain yeah. why he doesn't have any time? Well, um, so because we've, we've been like chatting about it on the Discord and everything, it kind of feels like you know, it's already, obviously not everyone's on the Discord. So yeah. Um, Jill went into, well, Jill started having contractions last, well, after we recorded the last show. And yeah, stuff it was, like that, it was that. that weekend. Um, yeah, but um, it kind of like dragged on with a bit of like early faults waiver and stuff like that. So she went into a labor properly on um, a Sunday evening. And we rushed through um, triage straight into a delivery room. We, both of us, it was traumatic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it... It I, was... I, I didn't chance to ask, but how did we go? Did we go naturally? Or uh, did we so have... Well, we'll talk about it now because, you know, why wouldn't we? It's uh, a very, very personal moment. So why wouldn't I share it with the internet? Um, right. You don't have to. No, I'm, I'm the editor. You can edit the whole conversation out. No, no, it's fine. I, I, I burn my soul to the audience. It's good. It's part, it's part, part of, of this show. That, that's us. Yeah. Just so it, yeah. if you're just tuning in and this is your first episode, this is definitely us. <laughs> Um, so it was basically um, great, and then also the worst ninety minutes of my life. So, um, Eve, when Evie was born, uh, she was breached, so Jill had a, a cesarean, uh, a planned C-section, and I mean, to me, that was perfect because it was very organised and planned, and you turn up at this time, and then you leave with a baby in two or three days, whatever. Everything goes and I, and, and I, I wasn't the one having a surgery, so I didn't have any recovery to go through. I just had a baby to look after, and it was all fine. Uh, but Jill wanted to try to have a natural birth, and she was a really good candidate for it. But it's something they obviously always monitor. and Yeah. It, I, we had a conversation fairly early in the pregnancy about, like, what I thought, and I said to Jill, you know, just don't ask what I think because I know that my, like, I think differently to you, so just don't ask. I'm going to support you in whatever you want to do. Yeah. And it's not my body going through major yeah. abdominal surgery, so my yeah. opinion doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it because like my, my my opinion was I would prefer it if you had a planned C-section. I understand that you want to have a natural birth, so that's not going to happen. Please don't talk to me about this ever again. Mm-hmm. Yep, I get that. Because <laughs> I don't want to have to think about it. Um, but yeah, she, we'd spoke, we, we obviously we did talk about it. Um, and she'd said like her line was like, if she needed an epidural or they were going to recommend an epidural, she thinks she'd rather have had a C-section and cause like the afterbirth part of it after an epidural can be a bit strange. And yep. uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's a giant thing. The body's going through a lot and everything, but yeah, basically because of the surgery from the c-section it affects your abdominals so you can't push as well and yep we had like three hours of pushing and the baby just wasn't coming around the cervix because why wouldn't we go all the way into the uh, the gruesome details mm-hmm. um so you get we get to a point where you could see the head but then it's going back in and three hours of no progress basically um and she was exhausted. This was well after midnight at this point. Um, and the nurses were very nice. And I, I tried to tell them, like, look, if she's going to do this, you need to stop pandering and being nice. You need to, like, be the drill instructor. 
Yep. Not, uh, but like they. Where's they Arlie Emery when you need him? Yeah, but well, they weren't, and so then I'm having to be a bad guy, like because she was getting to a point where she's pushing, and then it's like you've got to push the entire length of contraction, but she could, like she's taking the last part of the contraction off, so she's not getting that final bit, and mm-hmm. I feel like I. So I, why do I have to be the one who's being horrible to her and telling her? And I, I wasn't being horrible, but that's what it feels like, and. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just wasn't pleasant. And then she she's asking what options she has, and obviously it's gone past the point where she could have a C, a, a safe C section now. Oh, so she ends up having to do the epidural. Um, so I, I'm feeling terrible. And then they've they've got her on her side trying to stick needles in her spinal column. And by the way, while, while you're having going through, yeah, yeah, while you're having attractions, don't move. And, and, and like this fucking idiot is just like taking seven like. I swear that there were at least five contractions while this guy was trying to fucking do this. Oh god! And I, I'm, I'm like, I'm just, I hated every second of it. And then um, the the doctor comes in. He's like, "So we're gonna have to do." Um, they said he, he thought we could do it without forceps, but we're gonna have to use a vacuum. So I, now I've got all of the the potential side effects of that to. Yeah to be stressed about it was fucking horrible i hated every second of it and i would like i wanted to just leave and not be there and come in once the baby was there and everything was done yep but, i get it but you can't I, my, my my one job is to hold joe's hand and tell her it's going to be okay yep so um yeah it wasn't fun it um now it's like 10 days later so fine you know yeah so we we have a little baby girl, Ayla Lily Sheriff. Um, she was six pounds, one ounce. She's doing well. She's putting weight on. She's taken the bottle already, so I've fed her a few times already. Um, it's, I know with Evie, we got into a routine relatively early of I'd take like, the the spell in the in the evening until like 12 p.m. midnight, uh, 12 p.m., 1, 1 a.m., 12 a.m. to 1 a.m. I, yeah. I don't know. Time's a concept. It's fine. <laughs> um, and and then I'd get her to sleep, and then I'd take her upstairs, and Jill would take her, and I'd sleep downstairs so that Jill was getting some uninterrupted sleep, and I'd get some un- uninterrupted sleep. So neither of us is at 100%, yeah. but neither of us is purely suffering. Right. Um, so I, it's hard because... Uh, Joe's mum and dad are over at the moment, so they're obviously a big help. And we get—I I was literally I almost messaged to say I might be late because me and her dad went to a pub for some lunch, had some nice brisket sa- sandwich. There you and, go. Uh, got some blue cheese on there. It's good. It's great. And I had some uh, some cider and a nice evening. While Joe was at the park with the kids, with her mum, you know, whatever. Um, but because they're here, it's harder to kind of get what will be our normal routine going so we're kind of just winging it at the moment but, work on getting sleep right now that's probably the well, best thing for you you'd say that but evie started school so she's oh yeah there's that there. so like she's gonna be in in kindergarten at like seven fifty-five, and then get picked up at ten forty, which is like not enough oh, time to do half anything a day is, half a day is yeah. the worst yeah it's just t- it's hell 
hell on earth nothing worse nothing worse first world problems uh, <laughs> <laughs> um no it's good it's i'm volunteering to help on a school project i've got to take the form to a police station tomorrow that's on the 15th i think it is oh so they do the same thing they do here in canada where you have to have like your prints taken make sure that you're not like a criminal that kind of thing yeah but um i asked when i was picking her up today how um if they'd had many volunteers yet and it's like we've had none all right okay fine (laughs) it's all you chris wish i'd wish i'd not asked (laughs) um i'd spoke to weave a couple of days before i was like would you like me to volunteer and help at the class? Or, you know, I don't want to be that that dad that, that's like, oh, yeah. God, my dad's here at school. Yeah. I think she's a bit too young for that to be a thing yet anyway. So I might as well take advantage of it while I can. Yep. Agreed. 100%. Um, short, yeah. It goes quick. It goes really quick. Yeah. I picked her up and we went to a zoo after school today and did that. So I'm trying to spend time with her and give Joe some space and stuff. But... Yeah, it's, there's some adjustments, but that's all going well. Um, yeah, that's it. I've tried to do some painting. Um, I've not done any since the Great and Queen one, but I did assemble the rest of my my army and I've I've sprayed them white. But in in the update to the the painting studio part, I've I've lost all of my Plague Bearer Flesh contrast paints. I had three tubs of it, and I cannot find any. So That's I'm well, yeah, yeah. I'm well to start painting the rest of the army. So the Great Unclean one, I kind of just did it with a different color because I was pissed off and I wanted to get it started. But um, for the plague bearers, I wanted to try and match the rest of the army. Of course, yeah. I've, I've got fifty of them already, so I kind of need to get those colors somewhere. Is that one of the so. colors that got discontinued? Because our my game store has got a whole bucket of here's all the technical paints and contrast paints that they uh, discontinued it i'm like ooh, which ones do i need because once they're gone they're I'll, gone I'll double check i don't think it is i'll double check i have the website open because the and order oh, by I... the way thanks gw for moving the contrast paints into smaller pots for the same price yes because that was like oh wow look they've got this one why is this one here this is not a discontinued oh no product. it's still it's still on the website it's fine okay good the only thing like the uh, no, no, the couple... shades went the contrast paints were in the same size the shades went to smaller pots that's yeah that's what it is so like Reichland fleshlight for example is but like a lot of those technical paints and like the dry paints i think are the ones that didn't do well the, the dry paints were terrible anyway yeah the whole concept of them just didn't make sense like what you don't understand how to dry brush so they're just going to give you dry brush the dry paints dried too much so they weren't dry paints they were just dried paint right exactly (laughs) like even some of the technical ones like what's the one that um gave you it was the one um it was one of the nurgle it was a nurgle name but it's one of the ones that he's used was one of the technical ones it wasn't the uh it'll it'll come to um is it Typhon? No, I feel no, like it's... Nurgle's Rot, not Typhon Corrosion. Typhon Corrosion, that one. That's one of the ones that got discontinued. So I picked up a couple of bottles of that. Oh, man. I like, hey, I that. still have. I still have some of the old GW Gryphon Sapia washes in case I paint more Tyranids because that's the same wash that I use. Is the current Sapia wash that they have probably close to the same color? Probably, but damn it, I've got the it, right it, one up there. It's better, to be honest. The old one or the new one? The new one. It's, remember... Did you get any of the old one where you got like the white 
um, film when it bubbles if you shake it. Yeah. And then if you paint it on your, if you get any of that bubble, you get a white ring. I did. You had to be careful with yeah. it. And I yeah. just distinctly, uh, that doesn't happen anymore. I distinctly remember the smell of the gripe and cigarette. I don't know what it was. Like all the other washes I've ever worked with didn't have a scent to it, but that specific one, every bottle I ever had of it, has a smell that is still trapped somewhere in a corner of my brain going, Yep, that's gripe and safe. Yeah, I remember that. I'm going to open a bottle when we're done. I'm going to go just, yep, just that's it. it. <laughs> just, close, just close it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fun times. Um, yeah, that's kind of in me. I, I've got a plan to try and play 40k again. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go too much into the uh, the 40k ranks. I feel like that's its own content that we could uh, we can have an argument about separately. Absolutely, maybe on a different show potentially. Oh, maybe maybe just as a standalone piece of content, Ed. Who Ooh, we say? could do that too. Could do that too. I don't know. I don't know. Well, why I'm... Ed's a shitter and uh... why Ed got homework in the pregame <laughs> warm up on shit he's supposed yeah. to do. <laughs> so I might as well kick it off. We did record episode zero of Heresy Cast. It is available currently on the uh, Ice Hate Productions YouTube channel. It's not available on its own website yet, though, because Ed has homework he needs to do. Uh, he also needs to record a bumper. He's got to get some artwork checked out and an intro and outro music there. Everybody knows my homework. Since we're getting personal, that's my homework. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of shit that Chris asked me to do, and I've been so busy the last couple of days, I didn't get a chance to do it. But uh, Sean, unfortunately, wasn't able to join us. So it was just my son and I. Uh, the young Primark Gabe was sitting here with me. We kind of covered over. Mostly it was a sound check, and we just kind of talked about here are the, model, the, the armies that we play. But I am genuinely, genuinely super excited to start because our very first episode is going to be the lore of 40K. It is the the history of the galaxy the short version i'm trying to keep that to an hour if i can't keep that in an hour that might get broken up into two it's um, gonna be three shows i promise you probably probably i told you i, I, have, think, I have four I pages of got, notes you've got an hour's worth of show before the harris is finished well i'm not gonna go every blow by blow of everything so like there are certain things that i can and i don't want to spoil okay. too much of the so show but like remember i'm not gonna go like you you and gabe are both have both played space Marines and chaos mm -hmm. so they're like you're not you can't skim over the heresy I, and it's not going to be a skim yeah. you're right there are a yeah. handful of things like how many times can i go and abaddon had the 13th 14th and 15th black crusade like how many times well, all right 13 I, it stopped at 13 that's where katie gets destroyed but the 9th 10th and 11th black crusades here's all the blow by boats that had for those like i don't know that i need to go into the blow by blow details of those individual you read horus you get to uh read about black crusade number one where he uh gets sigismund gets him sorted right out this is true this is true we absolutely can go through that we're going to start a book club uh we're going to i'm already banking some of my audio uh audible credits so that we can start a book club i'm going to start with the horse heresy and i want to go through i'm, a, I'm a, in full grim at the moment which is one of my least favorite oh you've already annoying. gone that far oh the last time we talked about this you had started from the beginning yeah which which was oh, galaxy only bit books number five I want to but say. that means you've burned through five books <laughs> I'm halfway through Fulgrim. Yeah. I think Fulgrims were like the physical copies where I stopped collecting when I began to realize that it was oh, 80. Mechanica is so good. I know. I'm, I might pick up sporadic ones that I've missed. Like, because legitimately, I don't know that, like, I think it's like 85 books. I don't know that you need all 85 books to get every blow. All book. in hardcover. All, all in hard, all in hardcover. Gee, God, my wallet. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, so we got that kicked off. Um, as far as what I've been doing lately, I, I, I so games played. I went to the game store last Tuesday, had a game scheduled in our um, local Discord. My guy backed out, but Gabriel got a chance to play. So I just basically hung around and BSed on my Tuesday. I wish I had brought some paints because I set a ridiculous goal for myself, which I'll cover here in a second. Um, this past week, uh, I played a game uh, against someone who was trying out Necrons for the first time, and I took Chris's advice and said, do you want me to play a Hard Sisters list? I had a 1,500-point fun list of stuff that's not necessarily very good, but it's stuff I've not actually had the opportunity to play. And he's like, no, 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 come at me. Come, come at me with everything you've got. I'm like, okay, that's what I brought. And I ended up in <laughs> an interesting, friendly rules debate. So this is probably partially my own fault, but very, very early on when we started playing Ninth Edition. Oh, my, my own fault for cheating. No, 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 it's not. All right, so <laughs> we have always played the rule at our game store of the lower level on ruins are not able to be seen through because the way that the game store itself modeled ruins, you have like one small piece here and one small piece here. So they never really provide very good visual blockage like you're trying to block line of sight so way back in the days of fifth edition when blocking line of sight really became like a true line of when 40k really became a true line of sight game blocking line of sight was important so we've always played with that rule and to further that that's a rule that a lot of major tournaments and events also use that the lower level of a ruin always blocks line of sight so even if you have 10 models and you can physically see them if they're in the ruin that is being blocked that means they can't shoot out and you can't shoot in Everybody well, obviously, I've... you discussed that before deployment with your opponent in, in the I setting up the battlefield. I discussed it before we were setting up the battlefield. As I was putting Bruins down, I have not played this particular person before, so I wanted to make sure that it was clear. As I'm putting the Bruins down, it's like, just so you're aware, how we usually play it is that the... the I'm not going to repeat the ruling. You, yeah. you can't see how the lower level, so I can't shoot you, you can't shoot me. Are you okay with that? Yep, sure, no problem. Played the game. Uh... I, I we only ended up going two turns. Uh, we've had some employment issues at the game store lately too. There was an employee there was able to stay until like nine nine thirty. Uh, he got himself fired. So the manager there, technically the door says it closes at eight, and I want to be respectful of his time. He wants to go home to his husband. I totally get that. He'd been there since ten thirty, unloading stuff from the store. So. I'm very respectful of his time. When I walk in the door and I see that it's him, I'm like, are you staying late? Do you have anyone coming in? He's like, nope, I'm here. I'm done at eight. So by 7.30, we kind of buttoned up. So I only got two turns in in a 1,500-point game. So that's, I mean, it is what it is. We'll live it. They got they have hired someone. He's starting next month. We'll be back to normal after that. But I thought that was the end of the game. Like, I thought that was the whole end of the conversation. And then he kicks up in Discord. You know, I was reading the obscuring rules for terrain, and it says this. And I went, yes, you're right. I 100% agree with you. However, at the beginning of the game, I said this. And then we ended up into a debate as to whether or not obscuring genuinely meant that it blocks lines of sight or doesn't block line of sight. And it, it, like, I, I ended up, it, it, I found myself in a rules debate on the internet on something that I we clearly discussed at the very beginning of the game. And I'm still trying to figure out why are we even debating it in the first place? I'm not disagreeing that his ruling on how the rules read, if you're in ruins and you can be seen, you can shoot, you can shoot, you can shoot in and you can shoot out. 100% agree with that. But that's not how we played it. We played it as lower levels of ruins cannot be seen out of or seen through. It 
benefited us both in the game and it hurt both of us in the game. I had I had retributors in a lower level in a ruin that I would have loved to have killed his two doomstalkers with. Couldn't because I couldn't draw line of sight. So it's not like I just did it to benefit myself. It definitely oh. hurt me as well. It's probably a case of if he wasn't familiar with that as a rule, he probably thought that when you were deploying the ruins, you were just reading him off verbatim rules. He might not have understood that potentially, he and that very. Well, I'm going to see him again next week because we're he's we're, nobody's angry. There's nobody's mad because I'm scheduling yeah. another game to play with him next week too. Um, but he kept reading the rules to the ruins, saying, "Well, that means I can shoot as normally." I'm like, "Well, so let's give me, let me give you a different scenario." There was another piece of terrain on the board that was a ruin that all of the windows were closed. Like they modeled it that way. If I had models in there and you can't see them, you can't shoot them. Well, no, 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 no. The rules for the terrain say I can shoot them normally. And I'm like, yes, the normal, sh- the normal shooting rules. And the very first qualifier for it is, are they in range and are they visible? If you can't see them, you can't shoot them. And I ended up in this like two hour debate. <laughs> <laughs> on discord after i got home i was up to like almost midnight debating this pe- debating this person showing him line for line where he was where he was wrong and then in my my, my head i kept seeing that meme in my head i'm sorry honey somebody's wrong on the internet and there's just the guy banging on the keyboard that, that yep. was me i did that and i don't like that i did that i am ashamed that i did that uh you know that'll teach you for caring about stuff I know, I know. It's and la- the beginning of the end when you care about things. When you care about things. Uh, and last but not least, I set myself an absurdly um, unrealistic goal. Uh, this past weekend was a three-day weekend uh, here in the States. So I had Friday, I had Saturday, Sunday, and Monday off. We had plans on Saturday, but they gave me Sunday and Monday for painting. And I said, okay, I am going to lay out a five-girl five, uh, sister uh, battle sister squad, a five-girl retributor squad, a five-girl retributor squad, and I'm going to get those painted this weekend. And if it were old me and I were doing Termagants or I were doing Necron Warriors where it's shh, wash, touch, touch, done, base, I probably could have done it. But I kept finding myself going, that's not good enough. I need to go back and touch this up. Oops, I found a mistake. I got to go back and fix that. I got to go back and fix that. And I'm, I'm spending so much time on each model. I have set myself up for failure. If I had picked five, five Sisters of Battle and painted them, I'd have gotten them done. But instead, I have 15 in a state that are, I've got my base coats down and I'm starting to work on like the gold and the high and the trim and all this other stuff. Yep. Because I want them to look good. Like, I don't want them to look like shit. I want this to be my, my, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Showcase well, army. So well, I don't good. want... Uh, it's, it's okay to set a goal and not meet it. As long no, as but you at least I set a goal. Into, I was... No, but as long as you don't get in the habit of setting unrealistic goals so you don't have to meet them, that's the only time you'd have a problem. But oh, yeah, like, no, no, no. I had every intention set, of doing yeah. it. But like setting the goal and then being disappointed that you didn't manage to get it done, it's still an accomplishment. You still get to take it forward and move on and get it done. And one of my friends, I love him to death, Christian. I go up to the game store on Tuesday. You know, the first thing he said to me, he goes, wow, look, you've got these sisters over here that are painted. What happened to these ones? And I'm like, I didn't finish my goal, Christian. Damn it. Oh, well. And yeah. last but not least, I spent while I was painting, I spent most of the time watching uh, the Nova open. So you could you had two options for that uh, games workshop, actually, uh, was running their own streams on Warhammer TV on Twitch. Uh, they had a lot of the guys from the Art of War, Nick Nanavati, and I think it was uh, I hope he doesn't take a person. I can't remember. Rob Bear was the other one, I think, was the other host where they were covering two games on the top two tables. And of course, 
Joe, the guy over at War Games Live. That's where I end up spending most of my time. Uh, we're streaming games there as well. And it's just become like my regular weekend thing. I just, aside from you, Chris, it's the one streamer that I'm like, oh, the stream's on. I'm just going to turn it on, even if I'm not watching it, just to help support him, just to get the numbers up kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I need to uh, stream again, but I keep end up having to like work on Sundays at the moment, which is a bit of a shitter. But yeah, no, I, I, sh- I should just stream on like whenever I'm painting. But yeah, whenever. legitimately, that's what you should, probably should do. Yeah. Although if you I've do it got... at two o'clock in the afternoon, I can't join in because Twitch is locked at work. Sorry. Well, two o'clock in the afternoon would be four o'clock in the afternoon for you. Right. True. Oh, well, that's, I'm at my two o'clock in the afternoon. If you started uh, at noon, I, I, again, time is just a concept. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> All right. So that that was my two weeks. Recorded a podcast, half painted, maybe like a third. Really, is probably more. Uh, a third painted. Fifteen uh, sisters of battle models, and got a game in, and got into a rules debate on Discord that really went way too far. <laughs> Ultimately, uh, end I think you're is... overthinking it. I think it's an easy thing to do of like what, trying to figure out all of this stuff. It... I was fine. I was a hundred percent on board with him until he said, "Oh, what well, says I can shoot them normally?" And I'm like, "Well, no. Normally refers to following the yeah. normal no, rules." Yeah. So, so he can he can shoot them normally, and the normal rules are either. yeah, yeah. But and like... that's where I couldn't get him past. He legitimately went over to the Warhammer subreddit posted there and and I, I followed the thread because he pointed it to me and I said, Did you in there did you happen to mention the lower level of the ruins blocks line of sight? He's like, Well, no. I'm like, Well, that's the question that you're really asking. And the minute that I put that in the subreddit, everyone's like, Oh yeah, no, if it blocks line of sight, you can't see because you need to be able to draw line of sight. And then I think that's what did it. I think once other people on the internet were like, well, no, 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 if it's blocking line of sight, then you can't see. That's when it finally came out. Because it wasn't just me telling him that, it was the rest of the internet telling him that. Yeah. And like, you have to remember that you, you've you instantly become an unreliable source because you told him wrong the first time. Because I, you did, because you didn't, because he didn't understand what you were telling him. And that, to, and that is a good question. Because you, you have to take it from his interpretation of what he's thinking. That's yep. why like you are 100% correct, Ed. Doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't. And you right. you're that's why legitimately I already know the topic for my next show that I'm going to be hosting, which is house rules. <laughs> which house rules do you use and why? Are they good for the so, game? Are they bad like, for the game? My my assumption is when you told him what the ruins did, he didn't say normally they would function in this way. The way correct. I normally play it is that it does this for these reasons. You are correct. When I you, you when got I put lazy the down on and the you table, just I... said what it did. So his a perfectly valid interpretation to that is that's not what ruins do. I guess my the words that I used were we play it as I would have thought that caveat part of the statement. You're right. I understand how he misinterpreted it. I get it. I'm just saying I didn't really need to so go as long as we're all on the same page, everyone agrees. Ed's wrong. Ed's yeah. a horrible person who tried <laughs> to cheat a new player playing his first game of Necrons. Oh, it wasn't his first game. He knew what he was his doing. First game of Necrons. New to Necrons. First game new, of Necrons. A yeah. new player. See, I can twist words and leave bits out as well. Yep. Yeah, you can. And you're doing a good job. <laughs> Oh, all right so that's it so if you want to listen to a 40k podcast where people cheat uh tune into heresycast.com <laughs> i'll teach you i'll teach you i'll teach you the best ways that's how it works 
That's right. All right. So let's get on to the main topic for this one in the light of hopefully trying to make this a shorter episode. I don't know that that's going to work. Um, obviously, I'm not going to sing again, but the idea, of course, being lore and its importance in the miniature games that we play. I've got a whole bunch of games that I have played over the lifetime I've had, and how many of those games, how important is it to you that the lore behind the mini game that you're playing is any good? Does it matter to you at all? That's an open question. <laughs> so <laughs> for an answer. We started. Okay. Um, so first off, I would suggest that we open it up past miniatures games because I think that of, opens of course up a one wide of my examples topic. is not just a mini game. Agree. Yeah. But do you want to go, Sean? Have you got thoughts? Yeah, before I, 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 I have. I, I have thoughts. So I think lore is a double-edged sword, and and here here's why. Um, <clears throat> the best example I can give is the one that I'm most familiar with, which is Star Wars. So. You literally have two sets of lore right now in Star Wars. You have the canon, which is now controlled by Disney, and you have the legends, which is controlled by whoever wants to write whatever or complain about whatever. Well, Disney technically still owns those, but they've just moved them into legends and they're never going to add to them. Right. And, you know, we know why. It's because they don't want to pay writers. You know, they don't want to pay royalties. But at the end of the day, you know, it's... So you have the creator. This is the way that I look at gaming. So let's just say the three of us created a game, right? We were a company. We create a game. We write what the backstory is to that game. And then let's just say Ed leaves the company, but he continues with his part of that backstory or his lore to the game. And Chris and I continue on with the true canon, and Ed has this offshoot canon and so on and so forth. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I think lore, lore to me, like especially in a world like 40k, where it almost, you know, yeah, it's it's linear to a point. I think, you know, I don't know enough about it to be able to speak greatly to it, but it, it seems like it's a linear piece to it. But is is the lore in 40k based upon the miniatures game, or is the lore existing prior to the miniatures game? And that's that's the other side of it too that I think that becomes difficult with lore. Like, well, hang on, let, let, let's keep it in the X-wing scope for a second. So, if yeah. you were to go by Star Wars lore, every single time you're in Han Solo, you should probably have Chewbacca as a crew member. Correct. I would do agree you with do that. that. No, because uh, no. if you're playing no. competitively, as we as we were back in those days, you were taking R two D two or C three PO as a crew member because right. that was competitively more important. So. While the lore of Star Wars, fantastic, love it, didn't matter to the game because I want in the, the example that I was also going to give is magic. Do you do you give a damn at all about I the know, lore? I, of magic? I know nothing about the lore of Magic the Gathering. Precisely. The lore in that game, I would say I would argue there is a very large percentage of the players that play Magic the Gathering right now that either A know very little to nothing of the lore and or could give a damn less. Because they don't build decks based on lore. They mm-hmm. build decks based on what's good. X-Wing is yeah. a great example. Fantastic lore. Love the lore of Star Wars for the most part. I don't wasn't building squads based on lore at all. I mean, how many mm-hmm. times you're like, oh, I've got to take these two TIE fighters with Darth Vader because those are the ones that are in the trench run and that's the two, that's the only two. No. I'm no. so excited for um, AMG to get all of these standard warnock cards. Oh God, yeah, kick, I know. Kick your ass up and down about how fucking cool X1 Vader with Mala and yep. Bax, um, Backstabber. Yeah. Backstabber. Yeah. Um, and being like, 
oh, why wouldn't you check that these are the ones who are supposed to fly together, so why wouldn't you? And right, it's they good. They had to write rules to make that accolable, to make yeah. it work. Like, you don't see people running a ton of Wedge, yeah. Luke, and Biggs, for example. Well, you did. You did I'm, in the I'm beginning. So, I'm so <laughs> good at podcasting. Sometimes, Ed, I'm so fucking good at this job. So, <laughs> so you said we've got to write rules for it to make it fit and to make you no. want to do it? No, the question was, how important is it to you? I'm not yeah. saying that people didn't do that. I know plenty of people that only ever wanted no. to fly Luke Skywalker. No, what, I'm, so, no, what I'm saying is that because the like, X1 Vader, Backstabber, and Mauler all work together well and interact well and have synergies and stuff, the, the rules to the game are now what pushes that forward to make you want to follow the law. So I, I think that to, that's a to, great point. To extrapolate from that, if there was a game that was better than X-Wing, that was better balanced, played quick, like, everything you like about X-Wing, it was just one pit better, apart from it wasn't Star Wars. So that brings me to my next example of a game. One of my favorite card games when I had to play growing up that wasn't Magic, because at one point in time, like you play Magic all the time, and you're like, oh, you want to play something else, was the Star Wars CCG. And that was by Decipher Games, and I absolutely adored that game. It was such a fantastic game. I enjoyed every part of it. At some point in time, Decipher Games lost the license to Star Wars, but didn't lose the license to the game itself. So they re-released the game, and they just called it Wars. Same mechanics. Everything was basically the same. They added a couple new factions because they wanted to get away from just the two-faction thing because they realized how much of a mistake they made with just doing that in Star Wars. And it didn't sell and the company went under now did it go under because you had a whole bunch of star wars players that didn't want to play the game because they wanted to play the star wars lore or did it go under because i mean it's the same game like legitimately mechanically it's the exact same game it plays exactly the same it's just different lore well and i think that that's 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 the niche side of gaming maybe where uh you know, you don't have the right lore. You might have the same system and you have similar representations, but you don't have the lore, which I do think brings a lot of people in mm-hmm. just because they're Star Wars fans or they're 40K fans. But like me going into 40K, I know nothing about the 40K. You, truthfully, I know absolutely nothing going into it. We're going to um, fix that. Well, I, I think we'll fix it to a point. You know, it's. I hope so. I think after I, a year of doing the show, you're gonna know a little bit. You're gonna know a lot more now than you then when you do now. I agree with that, but for me, it's like so. So here's the question: So when you look at lore and you look at gaming, so you have two you have two instances of time that you're talking about here. You have playing the game, which there's a lot of time put into that because you got to learn the rules. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how much time are you gonna sink into learning all the rules? painting all the miniatures, building all the miniatures, and then actually sitting down and playing a game. Then there's a second side of it, which I kind of fall into with lore, is that how much time are you going to put in to read all the backstory, all the back things of all of these different whatever factions or whatever you want to call them? How much time are you going to put in? Because there's another time sink in that, you know. There is, absolutely. And, so, and that's that's where I fall into it. It's a weird thing with me because I love Star Wars, but I've only read three books, literally, other than the three Star the Thrawn, Wars the Thrawn books. Trilogy. <laughs> the Thrawn Trilogy, the original yep, trilogy. I know the ones. 
Mm-hmm. Heir to the Empire, you know, Last Command, and whatever the the middle one was. Um, Dark Force Rising. Dark Thank Force you. Rising. Thank you. And and I actually have all those in in hardback still. That's the only Star Wars books other than the movie books or the books based upon the movies or however you want to put it. And Splinter of the Mind's Eye because I had it as a kid. Oh, I fucking hate you so much. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> oh, a terrible. It's, it's a, a terrible, terrible, terrible book. I love the author, but. Yeah. So let me put it to you this way. So when I jumped over from when I was leaving 40K and I was looking for another game that was more balanced, I was definitely in the mindset of I'm looking for a competitive game, more balanced, something cool. And then I started seeing all the trade stuff for there's a new Star Wars miniature game. Yep. I 100% bought into X-Wing. Not because it was a balanced game, not because it was a competitive game, not because it was a tournament tournament level. I one hundred percent went fe- uh, headfirst into that game because it was a Star Wars game. So, so I have a little 100%. caveat. I, so I did the same thing, similar thing, where I saw it all in the trades, and I went to you know I was at the game store. I just started going to this game store six months before because that's when I was starting to go through my divorce and my you know son lived with me and we you know I had to get out of my head so we started going there that's what got me into magic because i'd never played magic before and my son started playing magic so i started playing magic and as i do i went head over heels but mm-hmm. with as that said with that said one of the reasons why i thought x-wing would be great is because i played wings of wings of war yeah, see, I never. I, I only learned about Wings of War prior uh, after the fact. I didn't realize right. that it was a game. That and, the, and the flight path system was something that someone else had done. Well, it wasn't flight path. It was you know, it's all card based, and you're moving your planes off of you know small cards. They weren't giant cards. They were small cards. Yeah, but, but the plane, they were they replaced the dial. It was the cards. They replaced the cards with the dials. With the exactly. dials and the movement templates. Correct. So you know, in in Wings of Wings of War, you had to set up if you're playing World War Two. You had to pick your three turns ahead of time, so on and so forth. So similar concept. And you could tell, you know, when, you know, the developers definitely had a different idea with it, which was the flight pass system, which made it faster. So it became a space game based upon speed. Mm -hmm. And so because I had played Wings of War before and because it was Star Wars, because the miniatures were the same size, or roughly the same same scale, same bases as Wings of War, I'm like, this is potentially going to be good. And that's when I decided I'm going to jump into it and I'm going to figure out a way to make, to grow a community of it. Because what I've learned in stores is stores don't ever grow communities. It's someone in a store that grows a community. Yeah, I wonder where I learned that lesson from. Yeah, you know, it's... It, <laughs> It's really weird because if, you know, if I were to wait for the store, no, I had to go out and buy all my own shit and go to a, go to a con and demo the game in a con, which pulled more people in. I didn't, um, I didn't go as far to demo it as a con, but I was absolutely like, I've told this story a hundred times. I was absolutely the guy that had seven of every ship, all the cards, yep. like every, like here, use my stuff. We had that's, that's what I did. and teach that's them how to I play. Did. Yeah. I, I bought four of everything and yep, at minimum. The, at minimum, oh, wait, I, then, ha- I have like 25 TIE Fighters because. Yeah, you know, but back I then. so many starter sets. Yeah, back then, if you bought, you know, two starter sets because you kind of needed them a little bit to get the Academy TIE Pilots. And I believe it was the, 
bitch it yeah. was to try oh, to get the it was actual the only time. place to get how um no how runner didn't come in that one no you had no, to, uh, i was just gonna say um, that you, you had, had to had buy to the get, pack you had to buy the pack to get her yeah but you um, know the, the whole point of it is that lore to me doesn't bring me to a game at it brought all, me to ever. that game though now on, no, the converse, on the converse of that for example for me like i for 40k i knew jack shit about the game when i got into it the only thing like chad was bringing stuff over it was at the game store kind of stuff and i'm like this game looks cool let me dive in and play this game and for the first year or two i could care less about the lore but every and every single time you ever sit down and play a game of 40k somebody somebody at the game store says when the lore it's this and the lore and this and then slowly over time i started learning the lore and now i have a greater appreciation for the game not only from the tabletop side of it from the hobby side of it but the lore side of it but has the lore changed the lore is expanded so games workshop has this interesting this interesting conundrum okay. this corner they continuously so, paint themselves into where they establish got... lore from previous editions but they want to release new models so then they have to make new lore for that model and then somehow wedge it into old lore kind of thing looking at you belisarius call okay so <laughs> i'm gonna push enter in general on discord now and I want you to tell me which of these two games seems more appealing to you. Okay. Because I have a theory well, I want to test. In general, we... on a Discord, just in general chat. Okay, general chat. Oh. So which on, one of get... these two games? Hold on a second. I'm trying to figure out how to use Discord because I said yeah. that. I'm going to wait until Sean has seen it yeah. before I respond. Because I have a theory that so the to a game is more important if you have a pre-existing attachment to it, to the law. Yeah. Or, no, no. Or, so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the two games, one's Master, what's the other game? Masters of the Universe, Battlegrounds, and then God Tier. And Chris is 100% right. I looked at those two games and went, Masters of the Universe? <laughs> Immediately. Of, so so to, Immediately. Me, to me, neither of them appeal to me because... I grew up in the time of, you know, Masters of the Universe and all of that, but I was never sucked into it. Like, you know, I never fell for the the concept. The marketing campaign that Mattel yeah. put out. No, just right. well, yeah. So the point being, Sean, is like obviously, like, which one, which one did you play? Would you have played generic spaceship game or would you have played Star oh, Wars? Oh, Masters yeah yeah masters of the if i were to pick the two plus it has more stuff you know you're getting it's not as i I didn't even look at the boards i saw the title and said master of the universe yep i'm in i don't care about the other game (laughs) well for me see my the way my brain works is you're going to draw me in with the more you know the more that you have the better chance of getting me into it it's like Like, 40k 40k uh, had two factions i would never have played it but so massive universe only has two factions and i fucking i despise this is a tangent this is a lack of focus classic of so course. the masters of the universe battleground is a game i just brought into the store we immediately sold out of the four copies that i brought in so i've ordered more and i know that that's not enough to fill the demand for it so i need to do another order again so it's really popular looks pretty fun i'll probably pick up a copy at some point to do like a demo of or whatever but so Massive Universe Battleground is obviously a game in the He-Man universe. Yep. The the good guys faction are the Masters of the Universe. So faction number one is Masters of the Universe. Faction number two is Evil Warriors. 
So is, I that, hate it. is that Skeletor and all those? Yeah, so Skeletor's faction is evil, evil warriors. Just evil warriors. What? That's... Why would I name the factions anything other than? <laughs> Oh. That's a, that's like, yeah, no, it's a good example if, if it, one it, faction's already it. the masters of the universe one faction's already done it they've mastered the universe so why are the evil warriors even bothering why do they right. try right i mean you know every episode they failed so because they had to yeah they it, was just like, it, was, it was just but, like yeah. gi joe you know if that's, you go what, to that's joe, my tangent aside gi joe was the same thing where you always knew for the most part, G.I. Joe would win. They may not win today, but you knew that they would win down the line. Even oh. as a kid, you were never you were never tricked into thinking that G.I. Joe could at any point lose. So, so I, I have another good example of this one. Um, I have an admiration and love for the Alien RPG that mm-hmm. Freely Game puts out. I don't think that that is a particularly good RPG having played it, having gone through it. I mean, the, system, the the rule system is very, very basic. It's very role, R-O-L-E, playing game, as opposed to R-O-L-L game, which is not necessarily my particular favorite type of role-playing game. But I love the lore, so I'm going to continue to buy all the shit that comes from it because I, I'm attracted to the game, not necessarily for the game itself, but because I love the lore. So I've, so, given, example, I've given examples of, here's a game that I love the lore, so I bought into it. Here's so, a game I didn't so know really, shit about the lore, and I lo- and I bought into that too. <laughs> and that's the beauty of games like that because you can take that lore and you can you can take that entire game system and change it to something a that you've used before and b that works. Yeah, that's something that Greg had said to me when we were talking when we were doing the D and D campaign that really kind of struck home for me. He's like, you could just take the Traveler rule set and put it in the Alien universe. You don't need Correct. to buy any of the books. And I'm like, wow, he's genuinely truly right. Correct. Like, why don't I do that? Because it, Traveler is a much better sci-fi role-playing game system. Yeah. Why wouldn't I do that? Yeah, and all you're doing then is just, you're just recreating the rules for yourself, you know, well, for your system. So it goes it, into, it goes into like, so like legitimately the amount of rules that you find in those books, the actual quote-unquote charts, tables, weapons, stuff like that, is so minuscule. Most of those books are just jam-packed with lore and story to really immerse you into it. Very similar to if you were to buy a codex for 40K or even the rulebook. The 40K rulebook is probably the easiest example. There's probably 25 or 30 pages top. Yeah, it's 80, of, It's like 80 pages total of of good stuff. Like and then stuff everything you need for the game. is art and lore. And just lore, yeah. Which drives – that. so that's what drives me batshit crazy is that because the lore – okay – so this is, <laughs> this, is, this is where I am with lore is sell me a book of rules and sell me a book of lore because I don't want to take the rule books with me and lay in my bed and try to figure out the fucking lore out of those rule books. That drives me absolutely crazy. I would rather that you sell me all that lore in a paperback. So put them together. Give me the rules, the 80 pages of rules that I need. And then a paperback book for the same price. You know, I don't care. So, which is what Magic the Gathering does. Like, right. You can get the rules. You don't, it, if you read the rules for Magic the Gathering, you hear nothing at all about Ever the about lore. lore. They yeah. release the lore separately. If this is something you're interested in, you can buy this paperback. They used to give it away for free on their website, but now they've gone back to charging for it. I don't necessarily yep. disagree with that policy, to be honest with you. Nope. But so, I, I I would bet that most people that play Magic don't have a clue about the lore. Agreed. 
it's just a great cards game system, you know. And think about like X Wing. Whenever you bought the X Wing box set, it came with a rule book. Did it? I mean, some smatterings of lore, but not much. It right. was strictly the it was strictly the rule book. Yeah, so, and if you bought the ship, it was the same thing. Yeah, and for me, I got into that game because of the lore and found a game that I love on top of it. Right. Like uh, looking at it, really, I think we can put a divider in between law and ip ah i agree yeah because a lot a lot of what you're talking about and folks and being hyper focused on is actually the ip of a game right true like i don't know that there there is a separation to be made in the conversation i think like you're talking about yeah so yeah sorry breathe your uh supposition about running han and not taking Chewbacca as the crew is talking about the war. Mm-hmm. Like the, my uh, question between Master of the Universe and God Tier is about the IP. Correct. Okay, that's and, fair. And I, the, and the, the, the lore of yeah, Masters of the yeah. Universe isn't very deep. Agreed. Yeah, your, your um, aliens thing is about the IP. 100% agree I, with that statement. So do you want to talk about the IP or do you want to talk about the war? I so I guess um, it we, we make... can, we, there's, there's room to talk about both, but I think we should talk about them separately because I have separate points to make. So I think we've we've definitely gone down the particular lore. We've talked a bit about like you don't build magic decks based on yeah. the lore. You don't run squads in X Wing based on the lore. Um, but I play Alien the RPG for the lore. The armies that I build for 40k, do I do those quote unquote based on lore? No. I think it's an added bonus that the lore is really, really good and I enjoy it. So, so you're right. Let's dive uh, into the IP uh, question. Well, well, let's finish up on the lore then, since you've done a good summary there. Because I would say that when you make a 40k army, you might set out to make a 40k army that follows the lore. But that would be something, a way of restricting yourself to challenge yourself maybe or to be a fun painting project it would be secondary to playing the game yeah in most cases it would be suboptimal doesn't doesn't the rules though kind of force the lore into it with the the way the command points are built out you get the well it's even and how armies are constructed like this is one of the things that chris was struggling with when trying to build army lists like you technically have to fill when fielding death guards you have to pick a particular death company when you're building um like sisters of battle you have to pick a particular order that you're playing so you're right in in a sense the lore does come into effect certain models have certain rules based specifically on the lore saint celestine for example dies and quite literally in the game can get back up because in the lore that's what she does she dies she gets revived and continues on so there are quote-unquote lore-based rules that go into the game but i don't know that those are the only reasons you go in because i could probably point to a dozen models that have lore-based rules that nobody cares about Rolling it back to first edition X Wing, like, did you make squads that had Darth Vader and Kylo Ren in them? Yes. And did I right. feel icky about doing it? Yes. Yeah. So that that's up to me where the law side of it comes in. Like, mm. if you're playing the game at a for a competitive, taking the game seriously, to roll back to a previous show, mm-hmm. then I think that setting the law aside is fine and i don't know that the lore is important to the game or my enjoyment of playing the game this comes down to what sean was saying the law for me is uh, and i've had conversations with greg about this in the past is how much time you spend thinking about the game outside of the game yeah is to do with the law 
So a good example of like if you're playing D and D, the law of your D and D game doesn't have to be an official game. It can be homebrew. But how much time you spend thinking about that homebrew was? Oh, was right. there something in that conversation I missed? Like yeah. what's yep. going? What what's this subplot? Was it going? Mm-hmm. Thinking about that law of your home game is important to that game and is what brings you back and keeps you invested. Yep. So I think that's where law is important to a game. If you want it to be something more than just a game, then law is important. That's a great point. I, IP I agree with that. is different to that. IP is what's going to draw people in regardless of what your game is. And I think IP is important, but for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I, 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 think, I think with games, it, it all depends, you know, A, how you're built as a person. You know, if you're a book reader, lore probably means a lot to you, you know? <laughs> Guilty. If, if you're an audiobook person, lore might mean something to you. But if you're like me, uh, where... I, I feel attacked. Jesus. I, well, I was listening, I was listening no. to an audio book about two hours ago as I was picking my car from getting brakes done. Yeah, but I'm I mean, just I, messing I, with, I'm messing with you, Sean. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just the way technology is today. You know, you didn't have audio books 30 years ago. You know. Oh God, I love them now. Uh, 45 I, I minutes to work. So I used to listen to my Transformers audio book uh, when I was trying to go to sleep on my Sony Walkman cassette player. Thank <laughs> you very much. I remember. So, all right, we're gonna get a little bit too personal on this one. Like, my wife's originally from the Philadelphia area. We live in the Greater Pittsburgh area, so there is a good four to five hour drive, depending on how fast you drive, with kids in the car um, to get from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia. I remember when my youngest was born who's now 17 he's going to be turning 18 here in a couple of months um we used to go to like walden bookstores or something and buy the books on tape because we knew we had a long drive ahead of us and we would listen to it the whole way there and the whole way back by the time you got done you had a book in you and you were driving i absolutely love there is something to be said for scientifically speaking you retain more when you physically read it as opposed to hearing it so it's better for you to actually read the books but when you're in a pinch or you're like me, you've got a 45 minute drive to work to and from every day. I'm going to need that case to be peer reviewed. Sorry, Ed. I, I think that is, and I can probably cite it for you. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously there's no such thing as different types of learners and, you know, no, there some are people some... might be visual learners and some people might, <laughs> might be audio to, learners like, or yeah. Yeah. Maybe some people would only retain the story if they read it out loud to the class, you know, this is true. They're, that's very much true. That's the reason why they encourage you to read to children when they were really young, like legitimately right. that it's a hundred percent a thing. I'm never yep. going to read to you again. She best fucking learn it herself. If there's no point in her, she can't have an audio book. Can she? She's not going to retain it. Fuck All that right, shit. Here, I'll, I'll admit it. I've been an embarrassing. <laughs> I will admit an embarrassing truth that happened to me today. On the way home from picking my car from getting the brakes, I was supposed to stop at the grocery store to get hot sauce because my wife is making was making barbecue chicken dip. Did I absolutely 100% blow right past the grocery store because I was at an exciting po- point in the book that I was reading and wasn't paying attention? It was paying more attention to, yes, 100%. And I had to turn around and go back. <laughs> Good effort. Yeah ironically enough i'm going through the original alien book again which was by alan dean foster and to bring it all back he also wrote splinter of the mind's eye yep <laughs> and and he wrote the first star trek movie too he did he 100 percent did I, I did i tell you guys i watched um 
the motion picture. Um, that is Wrath of my, Khan and Search for Spock. You did, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. did, yeah. yeah. So I will tell you this: the the motion picture is my favorite of the Star Trek movies with the original cast anymore. Oh, well, man. the reason why is because I have the director's cut version. You're a big fan of eight of seventies motion picture technology. Oh hell yeah, yeah! I mean, Silent Running. If you go back, I think it was made in. 1970 69 70 it's one of the best movies ever made you the know? problem with star trek the motion picture is they're trying to push the boundaries of visual effects instead of tell a story oh yeah no no, no i get that but star trek to me was never a great story to begin with you know <laughs> you had a misogynistic captain you know who was a womanizer and all the other things that come with that and you had the the brainy Spy, you know, to me, Galaxy Quest is literally the best Star Trek episode ever made. <laughs> there is some truth to that. You know, I'm not going to lie. Like, I've not really, I, I, I will freely admit I am a Star Trek fan. My Star Trek fandom starts at the motion pictures and um, Next Generation. I've watched the original series. I'm not a huge The animated fan. series is better than the original series. And the and the, the problem is, of course, my first exposure to Star Trek was... Wrath of Khan followed directly by 86, the release of Next Generation. So the, this is a massive tangent, but the thing that's really good about the animated series is because it's animated, they get to stick closer to the design intent of the stories they're trying to tell right. without, worrying, without worrying about like the... They could do the available te- Yeah, the available technology. Yeah, not everyone just has a different shape, nose or ears. Yeah, they could do the aliens much, much better. I yeah. 100% agree with that. And I think that that's the problem with live, you know, with, with anything that they're trying to do as live storytelling. That's is, why. Is they're limited because we all live on one planet and you have to take every scenescape or do it on a soundstage, but it has to come from this planet. You're never going to be able to recreate something that isn't real to make it realistic. Because you can't go to, you know, Proxima Centauri A and or the planet, Proxima Centauri A B, and go visit a planet. You can't do that. So storytelling is, and it's why I think that we're getting to the point where every story has been told. You know, when you look at and they rehash things, you look at the Predator stuff already been told. Yep. We know the Predators are kick ass, and it totally jumped the shark when Danny Glover killed the Predator. You know. Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was a military fucking special forces dude, didn't kill the Predator. It The Predator, Predator killed itself. itself. Now we go into another movie in Los Angeles, years forward in Los Angeles, and he ends up killing the Predator because he has the Predator technology that there's no way on God's green earth he would have been able to figure out how to use it. But anyway, <laughs> every story... Uh-huh. Every story well, has my, been... My main concern about Predator is that that human person was taking roles away from the entire actors. Exactly. I agree with you. No, totally Stupid agree. Jean-Claude you know. Van Damme, man, I'll tell you. <laughs> but, but that's... He, that's he, what, he those who do not, if those don't he know, did he was originally in the suit and he quit the job and he didn't want to do it. So yeah. so it's funny. What's funny to me, so like you, you're, you, you love Alien, you know? Love it. But Alien was a movie that lore was created around correct 
So it was ne- like Star Wars literally was both the movie and the lore put together because they tell the whole story of the lore. You know, when you when you watch Star Wars, they're telling you about the Force and they're telling you about the Jedi and they're telling you about all of these things. Now, it may not be the correct story of that those Luca, things. Yeah, that Lucas intended. And you're right. There's a lot of my youth where I read all of the expanded universe, now legend universe stuff after the fact, because we reached that point right. where we only had three Star Wars movies, unless you consider the Ewok movies. Um, and that was it. So the only yeah. way to expand your your Star Wars knowledge and your Star Wars was to dive into the lore. You are correct. Right. Correct. But it was all lore that was after that lore is after the fact. Correct. Where Star Wars, Empire, and Return of the Jedi was a story about lore when you watch those three movies. When I watch Alien, I don't get the lore out of Alien. I get a movie out of Alien, but I don't really get the backstory. And in fact, I've I've seen Aliens, Alien 2, and then I watched Prometheus finally. And I got more lore out of Prometheus, seemingly, than I got out of the first two movies. You did. And if I have one complaint from Freely Games, they're leaning a little bit too hard. And I know why they're doing it. It's the same complaint that Ridley Scott had. Um, You can only tell the monster story so many times before it gets boring. A lot of their new stuff that they are releasing is basing on the the black goo and what it does and what it's capable of doing throughout the Mm -hmm. throughout the universe that's a lot of the big things so i understand why they're leaning into it but i just want a good monster story sometimes damn it well and and that's the thing is that but you're telling the same story over and over like with predator like how many many different ways can you tell the same story right you know predator in new york you know is or los angeles is really to me no different than predator in the jungle it was the urban jungle yeah, you know, I mean, you Con- can throw that. Concrete but, jungle. Concrete but jungle, goes, that's what I was looking for, yes. But, but like, when you, watch, when you watch Conan, which, you know, Conan, if if you... So, so when you get into Conan, Conan, when you watch Conan 1, gives you a lot of lore. Keeping in mind, those, were, those Ronnie and Howard books were before the movies. Before the movies. So you had pre-built lore. Lord of the yes. Rings, pre-built lore. Yes. You know, so when you have lore before, to me, I think... It all depends on, of course, who the storyteller is of the movie, but for the series, for the series, but you're you're still getting more of the visual side of the lore that you you didn't get if you just read the books. You know, it's like to me, it's, it's so funny because I always go back to Hunt for Red October, Tom Clancy's book, The Hunt I for Red October. I just watched that movie the other day. And every Jack Ryan that they've had after Alec Baldwin, to me, was not a Jack Ryan. Agreed. I really felt the shift between him and doing Harrison Ford was a bizarre shift. Was terrible. Yep. And I've read, you know, all the books up to the one where Ryan becomes president. And then I stopped at that point because it jumped the shark well Mm -hmm. before that anyway. But that's the thing is that you have the lore, you create a movie. Now you put visualizations into that, into those characters and stuff. And I can see why people get pissed if you cast a different person in a role who, in your mind, doesn't fit the role. But as much as I love him, sir, Sean Connery, I his awful, awful Russian accent in that movie. Yep. Well, there isn't a Russian accent. <laughs> I know that. That's, that's just Sean Connery talking. Yeah. He tries. You can see the scenes where he tries, but then you can also see the scenes where he just fucking gives up. Yeah. Vasily. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love I love Sean Connery only. as an actor. He, but oh my god. 
Confirm it, range to target. But but that's thing. that's where I get with lore. You know, to me, lore is lore is good to me if it was created before or during the initial presentation. You know, because we know Dungeons and Dragons doesn't have its own lore. Dungeons and Dragons is very much based off Tolkien. Ooh. Yeah, you're gonna get the haters coming for you now, Sean. Yeah, and that's why I sighed because I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, when you go to Trolls, where were they introduced before Tolkien? Okay, admittedly, so if I'm gonna if if I'm gonna stand on the the camp of the D and D defenders, 100 percent agree. Did they borrow things like elves and dwarves and orcs and stuff like that from other fantasy IPs? Not necessarily just Tolkien, but Tolkien definitely. Yeah, definitely heavily influenced those early parts of those games. But I will make the arguments that in the early parts of first edition, you were getting the the Greyhawk adventures that were coming. Oh, out. They, absolutely, no, they, won't TSR argue with that. Was publishing books to go along with that, and then right. I, I I will be remiss if I don't mention all of the Forgotten Realms and all of the books that came along with that. Um, like holy cow, like there's there is a ton of lore right. dripping I mean, off of uh, you. You can't, though, in my opinion, taking that stance is a straw man because oh, I, I will be, agree with be, you. So because Tolkien's derivative, yes, Tolkien agreed. took real world mythology and used it to create his own world, which exactly. shared mythology. Like mm-hmm. elves, which is, elves to, to were me. a thing in in English culture. Before talking about so were pixies, so were yeah. you know the right, the right. you know all the fairies and things like that. Yes, I no, I agree. Reason, I think the reason why people credit him as much is because he was very successful in right. no, uh, culminating so, all those stories yeah, into one. Tolkien is form. the I I so I had this conversation at work with Greg and uh, Mike the other night. Okay, I think that Tolkien holds an entire industry on his shoulders. Agreed. I think that Lord 100% of the Rings. agree with this. Like the Lord of the Rings is a very important piece of literature. Yep. Lord of the Rings is a terrible story. Yep. <laughs> yep. Right. But it, it's every and, yeah. and but doesn't stand up as it, like if if I were to tell you like, out of context, you you have no idea who J.R.R. Tolkien is, what Lord of the Rings is. What and I just it gave is. it you to, I just give you Lord of the Rings today after you've read um, The Magician, after you've read uh, Sword of Shannara, after you've read modern fantasy books, where you've been anything exposed from to modern media. Anything. Yeah, anything you're going to get... You're going to get to the first time the a song picks up halfway through and you've got to read three pages of it and go, what the fuck is this? Right. And just put it down. So, like, you're not you, going to finish Lord of the Rings. When you, when you say, I've never actually read Lord of the Rings, but I know, <gasps> I know enough about it in Clutch the storylines <laughs> and not from the movies or the cartoons and stuff. One of the things that, that I enjoy about D&D is the fact that when Gary Gygax and I can't remember the other guy who Dave Arneson. Thank you. Um, when those two started putting, you know, chainmail and then morphed it into Dungeons and Dragons, it follows the same script. You know, when you when you when sure. you follow, you know, of course the characters, you know, you you have races and then you have locations and things like that. But ultimately, 
the throwing the ring into Mordor is every single D&D adventure you ever play. I mean, ultimately, that's that's why I say that it's so, so much built on that, because D&D has the same, you find something or you need to find something, you get something, and you do something with that something. That's literally <laughs> about... The fetch quest with the MacGuffin. Exactly. What you need to do, I think it is in the Belgariad, maybe, I believe David Eddings, it's in one of his books, or it might be one of his later ones about the the gods who become like children, so I can't remember what it's called, but uh, David Eddings has a forward in one of his books talking about um, writing fantasy and how stupid it is. Um, <laughs> You need, it's got to be a coming of age story that yep. um, is designed to, it's just a, a teenage boy's yep. like power trip fantasy, effectively. Mr. Frodo, the next step I take is the furthest I'll ever have <laughs> gone from the from the Shia. You know, it's, yeah. Uh, I, you I leave Sean it. Austin alone. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, I love the movies, man. I, I, I thoroughly look, enjoy look, look, man, Rudy. 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 That's why See, that's I'm, I'm North American Rudy. now. I'm, I'm North American now. I know I know the references. Yeah. That's but, why when George R. R. Martin wrote Game of Thrones, like that's why that, that that's just let me hand my jersey in and we can get going, all right. Oh, I I'm not ashamed to admit I still cry at that movie. <laughs> to this day. Still do. When they put oh, them up dear. on the shoulders, hundred oh. percent. You know, the the thing is I think it's hard in fantasy to write fantasy. Like every story, you know, I so when I play Gamma World and if I'm GMing Gamma World, I'm not playing Gamma World. I'm playing Planet of the Apes in the Gamma World universe because yeah. I think Planet of the story, starting storyline of Planet of the Apes, astronauts end up in the future and end up on a planet run by apes in some alternate reality, I think is the greatest start to any storyline ever for two reasons. One, you can take the skills that you have today into that world so because we you know you're not the meta gaming is less because you can use the meta gaming as the gaming you know instead of worrying about picking up a stop sign and figuring out how to put a strap on the back of a stop sign by rolling dice i know that if i need a shield and i find a stop sign i can pick it up and just utilize the damn thing which is what planet of the apes is all about you know it's taking modern humans or humans of today and pushing them into another future. And they take the skills that they had today and use those skills to try to outwit, you know, what would be to them considered, you know, inferior creatures. You know, it's so hard to me today with role-playing and the lore behind role-playing with things like Alien, like we talked about with Alien, is that, if you're not immersed in the story, the lore means nothing. Yep, 100% agree. 100% agree. And that's where 40K is with me right now, because I'm just trying to figure out the rules to the game before I figure out, you know, anything about heretics or why Astartes. blood angels are blood angels or Astartes or any of that, you know. The Inquisition. Because, Who are these Xenos they keep talking about? Yeah, you know, it's like if you if you know if you know my YouTube handle, it is late to the games because I am always late to the games. I'm late to the television shows. You know, I didn't even know uh, 
the hell was it that was on Amazon that was so popular? Um, the spaceship show about the expanse. the expanse. I didn't even know the expanse existed until like season three or four. Neither did I. And then, oh boy, did I dive into those books. Yeah. yeah, you know, but that's the thing is that if you never read the books, you don't understand. You just understand the story as it's progressing. You don't understand the lore or anything else. Well, I had I had the similar experience whenever Game of Thrones came out on TV. I had never heard of the books before. Watched the first season. Went, oh, wow, this is cool. Oh, wait, there's a year between. This is based on books and went out and got yeah. all the books. You know, it's like Battlestar Galactica. It's <sighs> Battlestar Galactica Ooh. had a great had a great beginning because you had a whole television series that explained the backstory. So when you do Battlestar Galactica in modern times, it's basically a principal epic on politics and not really the Battlestar Galactica that we understood. But the coolest parts about Battlestar Galactica as a kid, watching those shows first time were the space battles anyway, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and remaking it so that there's, a whole lore behind it with the Cylons and the final, whatever it was. Final five. Well, final five. Yeah. You know, and the different models and things. I thought that that was great addition to the original story. So there's another good example of like, I just to kind of twist it back into the, the, the main topic. Um, Battlestar Galactica, gigantic fan of the series. Loved, loved, loved Ronald D. Moore's reimagining of the series. Mm-hmm. Terrible card game. Terrible. Did like you they, go they, out and pick out the the, uh, the miniatures game? I've not, but I've heard that it's. Good. I, I have it. I have it. I, I have it, and I've never opened it just because I haven't found anybody who really wants to play it. So, but the models are awesome. Yeah, the models look cool. I heard it looked cool, yeah. but again, didn't dive into the the. I I dove into the card game for a bit. I only recently, in the last couple of years, got rid of all the stuff that I had, um, because it's just collecting dust here. I'm never going to play it. I know that. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, love, love, love the lore. Terrible game, terrible card game. And I think what hurts for me, what hurts Battlestar Galactica is X-Wing was so good at one point. Yep. You know, that it hurt trying to play Battlestar and try to mimic another game. Yeah. It, it, it hurt the, the skirmish level, um, fl- uh, fighter pilot game. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Even though I'd argue some of the rules that I'd heard about made more sense. Like you could drift. Mm-hmm. Like you just yeah. can't make ninety degree turns with the ship, like you can't. Yeah, it's, it's similar. It's similar to you know more physics based, right? You know, but of course we all know that Star Wars is you know scientifically accurate. So why would you <laughs> want to play anything else? Come on, giant space crystals put in a moon sized satellite can blow up planets, right? What's where's where where's the, what's wrong with the physics there? Right. One of one of my other gigantic problems with the Death Star style Star Destroyers in Rise of Skywalker, like the, where did all the Kyber crystals come from to make those things? Like, did you just have a Kyber crystal depository somewhere? Anyway, I'm not going to shit on <laughs> Disney's oh. sequels trilogy in this episode. I swear. I don't know how much further you, I don't know how much further down the rabbit hole you want to go on this one. I thought this is. Oh, uh, we've kind of sidebarred into. Um talking about generic fantasy but yeah you know well but it's still, I mean, it's it still all fits in the lore yeah. you know yeah mostly the lore it even moved into while we were talking about movies and tv series it definitely moved into the well there was an established lore that then spawned into product 
Now, in the conversations we had, obviously, this product involved movies. The Conan lore going into Conan movies. The Battlestar Galactica TV show going into a board game. Like, the, it, it still kind of did that. But was I attracted to the Battlestar Galactica card game because I was a fan of the TV show? 100%. Turned out the game was, was shit. <laughs> it was a bad game. But, and that's why I think uh, an IP will draw you into a game. Because I, Battlestar Galactica, the board game, was which is like unfathomable the board the board game it's out now yeah with just a different skin on it but yeah, yeah there's probably some differences in mechanics i'm not trying to do a disservice to unfathomable but right it's the the ip that draws people in and i think yes. that in board games especially this is a, a distinction you can make between like american style board games and euro games the ip love- and the law behind american games is going to be a lot stronger the mechanics is going to be what draws people in the theme and uh, uh, yeah. theme and IP, I suppose, have to be used interchangeably uh, here. So being being an American here, I actually like Euros more than most American games. Yeah, as you yeah. mentioned before. Yeah, well, you'd play Puerto Rico before you'd play Arkham Horror. Oh, any any yeah. day. Any day. And I, I'm know. the opposite. I, I like the feel of a good story in my game. It doesn't mean that like when I started playing Arkham um the second edition, maybe it was, I can't remember. Um like playing the board game, what we used to do is we'd play um 40k or fantasy at the, at the club that I ran, and then we'd run either a, a table of Chaos in the Old World or Arkham or some other fantasy flight game. And it got to a point where like, those board games were sometimes more popular than people wanting to play like 40k or fantasy or whatever. But it's the storytelling within that game. I didn't know anything right. anything about like Lovecraftian mythos. I'd I'd heard of Cthulhu. I'd sure. heard Lovecraftian, yeah. but I didn't know. I hadn't read any of his works. I didn't. I, I was more familiar with like English authors, obviously being from the UK. So right, you're more that. familiar with the concept of oh, if I see weird psychic stuff in tentacles, all right, that kind of feels Lovecraftian horror to me. Like if someone mm. put that tag on something, like, yeah, okay, like, I know like, what I'm getting into. Yeah, uh, but I enjoyed that style of game, and I I like the being a story or a reason for me to be doing the things I'm doing that isn't to push my token further along the points tracker. Yep. And I think that's yeah. kind of the key, and that's kind of what the point I was trying to drive at is in the great games, it's kind of a combination of the lore is good and the game is good, and that is the sweet spot of having both a good game with good lore. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, def- yeah, I, I definitely think that um, lore for me in general is something that I do outside of the game. In that, like, I've now read Lovecraft, I've read Graham McNeil's trilogy. Uh, in the Arkham series, uh, I've read like, a bunch of that style of eldritch horror kind of stuff since I played those games. Um, I've read a bunch of Star Wars books. I read a lot of um, Black Library novels, things like that, where I want to feel that game when I can't play it. Right. Mm-hmm. And Which makes like, sense. What I was getting at, and one of the questions I had for Ed kind of Brush, brush past, but like, no, sure, was, sure, like, no, it's fine. I'll make it an, a, a statement and then you can expand on it if you want to. But for me, I started playing 40k 
as a game when I was like 14, 15, 16. And I had that kind of drive of reading the books and having the little snippets. And then it was laid out that you had the uh, the car rule book, the Codex Imperialis, which was just flavor text and rule like stat lines. And then you had your um, another book, I can't remember the name of now, but it was like three different books. And going through, and I think it was just the different faction books with um, like just background fluff in them. I can't remember, but um, going through reading them and then wanting to wanting to know more and wanting to learn more because I couldn't play the game because I I couldn't afford the five hundred pounds as a teenager to buy an army, mm, so right. I, I needed something to tide me over. And now I want if I want that so like the the god tier stuff I. I put a picture up of God tier has war. I could kind of extrapolate on it for you and tell you about it, but I have no desire to delve deeper into it. Mm-hmm. But that's because I'm nearly forty, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's where I was the, getting at. Yeah. Is time, you know? Yeah. When do you have the time? As a kid, you have a lot more time. You don't realize it, but you have a lot more time than you do yeah, as an like, adult. The difference is, I'm making the time to reread, well, listen to the Horus Heresy series. I'm buying the new books for right. 40k. I'm like, Age of Terror. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm en- entrenched in that lore already. Oh, God, so yeah. I, I will, I will let, I will sacrifice the time to expand on it. Right. For a new game to get its claws into that time allotment is a lot harder for me now. But that doesn't mean that the same thing is true for everybody. Like, right. It, if if teenage Chris came along now and saw that there's like 40 years worth of 40k law to catch up on, or two years worth of God tier law, maybe you get in on the ground floor of God tier. Right. May, yep. Like, it, the... The war for for these new games that are coming out does exist. And like I read the Weather Weatherlight series and I didn't play Magic. Like I could tell you about I can't remember the names of the characters, but like the Weatherlight's in Earthship, isn't it? Yes. And goes around doing stuff or whatever. Um and like all of that stuff. And I I, I know of these things, but it didn't uh, there's an expectation within 40k that if you're playing Blood Angels, like the special characters are always a little bit better than a normal version. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah, that's they kind of great... push you. They kind of hook you into wanting to entrench yourself in that law. And I was very resistant in my younger days. In the UK, we kind of ran events with no special characters and stuff like that because some of them were so skewed. But like, can you imagine playing X-wing with generics only? Yeah, exactly. But forty k is a great example uh, for that. Yeah. Do I get the red marines? Do I get the green marines? Do I get the yellow marines? It's not just a question of the color. Like some people adopt their entire forty k quote unquote identity based on the armies that they pick, the stories that draw them. Like I know. I still have friends that are Space Wolves players, live, breed, and die. Space Wolf. No, no, you don't. Space Wolf tattoos. No, no, you, you don't. You don't have friends so, who are Space Wolf players. You know people are Space Wolf, but not your friends. Or at least it shouldn't be. 
<laughs> you can't be friends with you can't be friends with people who aren't people. I'm not. I don't know how to justify that. I don't know how you, to respond you, to that. You probably shouldn't. You should just move on. As I've just dehumanized a, bit, a, a class of people by saying that space will players aren't people. You should please, probably just brush that up. Yeah. Please direct <laughs> all complaints to Chris at <laughs> Productions <laughs> or in the Discord. Feedback at back to dials. <laughs> All right, I think we went on a fun little journey. I think it, it ultimately end. I think I think we've all kind of come to a consensus that for the most part, lore is either what brings you into a game or what keeps you into a game, assuming that the game is good. Is that yeah, fair to state? I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think you keep playing a bad game for good lore, but I don't think you play, you stop playing a good game because of bad lore. That's, but that's I think if you have, the, if you get the correct combination of a good game with good law, prepare to spend money. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. In a large chunk of your life dedicated to it, especially yeah. if you enjoy it. Yep, exactly. All right, that is going to do it for this one. I am going to bid my dear arcade friend Sean adieu for the evening. Always good talking to you, my friend. Yeah, it's good to be here and kind of, sort of, in Studio A, sort of. Right. I like it. Chris, always good talking to you, my friend. I believe you have some housekeeping you'd like to do. Oh, I'd never like to do it, but probably should. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we are coming towards the end of this in- interim period, hopefully, where like there's no real production value going into this show. I'm, I'm talking to um, some designers at the moment to see about actually getting... Uh, new logos and backdrops everything made up because i've just not had the time uh, so maybe that will progress at some point um but as i said we we've published the first episode of heresy cast i'm still waiting for um zach and bruno so we can do another updated um, bad ideas and x-wing podcast show uh, so, like, theoretically, there's a chance that we now have three different uh, podcasts, all with varying tastes. Um, Comfortably under the umbrella. Yeah, so it's kind of moving forwards. Uh, I did want to say a big thank you to people who have moved the Patreon over onto uh, Dice X. I did finally delete entirely now. Uh, the lack of focus Patreon should not exist. I believe I managed to nuke that from orbit. Um, I have also um, entirely removed the SoundCloud account now, so that should be gone. Um, if you listen to us on SoundCloud, I don't know how you're hearing me tell you about this, but <laughs> sorry. Um, but yeah, that's been going pretty well. We don't really have a regular schedule planned out yet. I kind of... I'm not sure if I want to kind of have a quarter of shows we need to get done and then kind of if we record a couple in a week and then release them periodically or whatever, I don't really know how it's going to work going forward. I've not, I've not settled on a system that I'm entirely comfortable with yet. I've but settled that's... on a recording system. How you choose to release yeah. them is completely up to you, my friend. Yeah. But I, and we were chatting about it before we, we got went live of like, do we want to, do you want to do like 30 minute shows? Do you, are you going to do a 90 minute show? How could it, if you're willing to do 90 minutes, would you do three 30 minute shows in one go? Would you break it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of stuff we can do because if, if you record two 30 minute or oh, three 30 minute shows 
in one weekend we could do i can release one a week but yeah so there's a bunch of scope of how we do it um the website is coming along i haven't released much new written content on there yet obviously because baby and wife and everything but the i i feel like the the focus is gonna pivot away from being a primarily an x-wing resource to be more general gaming which i kind of always intended it to be anyway that was the uh, obviously original thought process so we just kind of took it in one direction and ran with it for i don't know four or five well, years it was when when evie was born i got lazy yeah. um 100 hands up i got lazy because it was easy to just do like a focus or uh yeah it was like a focus though uh but basically keeping it as as that so that i didn't have to do any more we, we were still putting some content out um and i didn't have to worry about kind of writing scripts and doing a little bunch of editing but i want i do want to get back there um this is week one of evie being at school where theoretically i have quiet time every day especially at the moment while jill's off work as well so uh we'll figure it out a bit you can't see but there is less junk on the table behind me I can there see. Is, there can is less. You. There is less junk there. Uh, once that's fi- uh, there's actually more junk back down here in this space that was clean. This is now refilled with miniatures that I need to go through so I can try and sell stuff on uh, on Facebook Marketplace. So um, I don't need to have this many unstarted projects. <laughs> then you know you don't have time for. Yeah, like or as I've... the hobbyists like to call it, the pile of shame. Yeah, I worked so I'm working on my Nurgle Demon Army, as I said at the start. So that can be played in Age of Sigma. Then I have a Night Haunt army that is almost finished, painted to what I think is an above tabletop standard. So that's two Age of Sigma armies. Then I have um unstarted for Age of Sigma. I have a Gloom Spike Gits army, like completely still new in boxes. I have a Cruel Boys uh, Orc army. So like, I built a couple of squads, but not really started. Uh, no paint on them at all. I have um, a Flesh Eater Quartz army um, that I I managed to get um, a zombie dragon in a trade maybe six six years ago. So and I bought the rest of the army to go with the one model that I picked up as part of the trade <laughs> that I still haven't started <laughs> um there's probably another army that i'm forgetting but that's like four armies i think for age of sigma that are not started mm. and i've not played a game of age of sigma in this edition well i have the box set so i know how that yeah. feels i haven't played since dominion i played an intro games of soul wars so that was the last edition and I can probably count on my fingers the number of games of the original edition of Age of Sigma that I played. And I have four armies sat around not being worked on. Right, that's We've not touched Malifaux. We've not touched Infinity. Um, 40, 40k is probably one that I cleared out the most because I actually only have the demons and some Death Guard that could count as 40k stuff. So, you let go of the Dark Angels? I sold my entire Dark Angels army. Yeah. Oh, that's heartbreaking. 
Oh, it's fine. I've I would do them again at some point when they uh, get a new new starring role and a new edition and uh, yeah, some new sculpts and stuff like that. And the lion comes out, and you know that's the rumor. Yeah, but that'll be good. I'm happy. Um, so yeah, there's a bunch of stuff like that where I'm kind of trying to just streamline everything. I'm trying to also not be only focused on games work. I'm trying to increase my games workshop knowledge base of the new editions and like playing the new Warcry, playing the new kill team and just generally being around that stuff so i feel comfortable in that space but then i've got like some historicals and it's, it's kind of rearing its ugly head for me again i want to kind of do some micro scale stuff and mess around with that it was always fun um doing some work with terrain is stuff i want to do and then just general like written articles is always difficult because it's time consuming like the uh, the reward for that stuff is very very low so um, so can i make a suggestion live on on the instead of doing them as written articles why not do them as videos because i like doing written articles Ed. i understand that uh, i enjoy writing i don't enjoy sitting in front of a camera i i understand I, that. I, I in fact as a an up-and-coming slash well-established YouTube star, I actually <laughs> hate being on camera and really find it uncomfortable and struggle to have that energy that I need to keep the audience engaged and get you guys to give me all of your money and sub and like and subscribe and you know share the content and tell your friends to watch and make them sub. I, I find it very difficult. As much as you might not get that when I'm sat painting and wanting to like gouge my own eyes out and hating <laughs> myself, but yeah, uh, no, I actually enjoy writing a lot. It's just um, it doesn't really. It takes up a lot of time. Um, Coming a lost art form, my friend. But dyslexia doesn't help. It, it does, in fact, hinder because um, I, I have to spell check it a day later and then get someone else to spell check it, and it's just. But there's extra layers to that process, especially like when I'm trying to be my own editor, it's very difficult. But I have some plans. Um, again, I think I've spoken about it in the past of like doing um, like scenarios and uh, encounters and things like that, and, and obviously review content as well. So hopefully, this time next year will uh, will be fully operational and everything will be going well. But like, it's good. I think just keep. Keep hopping on the Discord and like chatting on there. We we had spates. We had a little bit of uh, worries of activity from your uh, your forty k show, in fact, uh-huh, and and yeah. Nova open. Yeah, Nova was big. I was gonna th- potentially talk about that, but I elected not to. There's a there's yeah. a lot to cover there. Yeah, because uh, mainly at, at watching Nova open, my son and I, as we were watching the final game, kind of two games, were like, we should do that next year. And I'm like, that sounds like a good idea. We should totally do that next year. Good. So I always do Nova Open. There's a pencil in for Nova Open 2023 that we might. You know, attend. all you have to do is get the um, the giant pass that um, Audio Weasel got. Oh so God, yeah! Did you see the crap Ch- that he got out of that? Oh, was yeah. it, did he put that in general? Yeah. Then Chad can't torment you for not getting it as well. I know. Hang on. Where is the? Holy cow! The amount of stuff that he got in. Okay, I got it. So he got a full kill team box. Yeah. I can see there. I absolutely love the 2K or multi-case boxes. Love those. And they always give you like the, here's a couple of resin, 
you know, bases for you to try out. Here's some dice. Here's some of this. And here's some of that. And I love, love, love. I don't know if you can tell this in the lower left-hand corner of this photo, the gamer pack that includes water, snacks, and what you don't know is you may not see in there, a stick of deodorant. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I yeah, tip my hat to you, Mike but, Brandt. But remember, really quick, one thing I want to say about that, though, is that when you're signing up for this stuff, you need to be on the ball, ready to go. Oh, yeah, because this stuff, on the spot. Goes, this stuff goes so yeah. quick. Yeah. Being able to get it is very difficult. And that's yeah. just getting the tickets in, let alone signing up for the events that you want to get into. Events well, are I, a little bit easier. I, I don't care about the events at Nova. I just want to go to be at Nova. If you yeah. if you're going next year, I'll, I'll try and go as well. Well, like I said, there I'm penciling that in. Um, so it's nailed on. You heard it here first, folks. Lack yeah, of focus. All of us going to Nova. I will not be able to go next year, <laughs> but I will in 24. All right, that sounds good. Well, we'll just stop off in Omaha on the way. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, just a slight it, it, detour. That's right, and me. it's on the way for you, isn't it? On the yeah, way. Just a yeah, slight it's... detour. That's all. By about you know, every everything is on. Miles. Everything is on the way to DC if there's an airport nearby. This is true. <laughs> I would probably drive. It's only like a five, four or five hour drive for me. Yep. I would probably fly. Probably. <laughs> Oh, well. All right, I got to get and go to work tomorrow. So let's roll this all together. Yeah. Appreciate everyone tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, who's up next? Is it a Sean episode next time? It is. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Can't wait it to is. see what that one's about. All right. So in the meantime, I do appreciate everyone tuning in, and we shall see you next time.